day 251. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. I'm John. And this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So, man, Mark chapter 9. Yep. Um, It comes on the heels of Mark 8. We're yep. still in this travel narrative. So remember this middle part of Mark, Mark 8b, yep. essentially, all the way until the beginning of 11, they're headed to Jerusalem. Jesus on the has, road to Jerusalem. So it's this road yeah. trip with Jesus. Yeah, road yeah. trip with Jesus. Yeah. They're following Jesus. And remember here, he already talked about, you know, his death and all that kind of stuff. So here in 9, the beginning of 9 is the transfiguration. We've talked about the transfiguration before. And, you know, glory, right? Yeah. That's all he's trying to show. Glory. I'm going to be glorified. This is glorification. Death is never the end of the story resurrection is right. right and so even though he says something hard in the in that death is coming and that this cross is coming resurrection follows remember exodus 34 right moses face was shining when he came down the mountain here whole, jesus whole body right is glowing yeah and moses had to put a veil on his face right jesus does not have to put a veil on his face right. because here we truly see god's glory presence that dwelt at the top of mount sinai that dwelt in the temple is present in jesus himself and not just that that's not even the best part yeah we get to share in that glory right as well we will be glorified with christ at the end of the age so christ is showing them that here as they head towards jerusalem yep and they come down from the mountain and what they find is like oh jesus is different right so the best (laughs) of the best down there couldn't do what he could do but he comes down from being uh in this um glorified state and he comes down and he's already starting to heal the world starting to make it better Mm. right really quick one thing that'll help us through the travel narrative as well too is that uh on the road what you get is jesus making a statement about his death and resurrection Mm -hmm. and then after that you have these subsequent narratives that are all trying to hit on this point right so you've got these three times that he says it and three times we find these obstacles towards discipleship. So the first time that he says, yo, I'm going to um, uh, die, right? Uh, Peter, he immediately spawns with self-interest. Sure. And that's going to stand in the way of what it means to what we got. So Jesus, what he does is he, one, he says, get behind me, Satan. But then two, he gives him a vision of glory that overshadows his self-interest. Peter, it ain't about you, fam. It's mm. about me. It's about mm. what God's trying to do in the world, right? So mm. that's, um, yeah, the first one in, yeah, um, yeah, in the eight, eight. beginning, yep. beginning of nine, yeah. And then after that, like he's gonna heal this man uh, who has this demon, and basically, man, Jesus is just, in a nutshell, he's just gonna show the need for faith, right? right. So in between, in the meantime, right? right, in between Christ coming and Christ coming again, right, we have to have, live by faith, right, right. And he so the disciples couldn't drive out the demon, right. and the man is like, "Yo, if you can do it," and Jesus is like, "Anything is possible for the one who believes." And Christ was just showing, like, man, like you have to live by faith here, um, now in the world. And you know, at the end, they're like, "Yo, Jesus," they asked him probably like, "Yo, why couldn't we drive it out?" Right. He was like, "This thing only comes out." By prayer. And so we even see this kind of like, uh, you know, uh, juxtaposition or kind of mirror or um, what's the word? Uh, attachment between prayer and faith. Right. Right. They go hand in hand. Prayer, in many ways, is an acknowledgement that power does not come from ourselves. Right. But from God. One author said that uh, prayer is faith uh, pointed in God's direction. Mm. Right. And so 
Um, we just see that. And then 10. Yeah, well, well, and it's two. I mean, you look at that story and you see this man saying, man, God, can you, like, can He's like, yo, can I? Yeah. Of course I can. Anything is possible for the one that has faith. And what I love about the response of the dude, the dude doesn't close his eyes, like, tighten up his shoulders and just grunt real hard and say, all right, I need to have more faith. I need to have more faith. Mm. But where he finds himself deficient in faith, do you know what he does? He asks for it, right? Like, I think sometimes we walk around and feel like faith is something that we've got to muster up on the inside, that it's Mm. like, that if we don't have faith, that it's kind of like a car that won't start. And it's like, I just keep on turning until we have faith. And it's like, no, where we see our faithlessness, that's where we need to go to God and say, Lord, Help my unbelief. Give me faith. Grant me faith. And in a sense, that is kind of a symbol or a picture of what he's going to say at the end. Like, after that, the demon was driven out, and it was this guy who essentially aimed his faith in God's direction to grant him faith. Yep, absolutely. No, that's excellent, man. And, you know, after that, he's going to go on. He's going to say a ton of things like he'll have the second prediction of his death. You know, um, they'll argue about who is the greatest. All these things, Jesus will give warnings. Then the Pharisees in 10 come back asking about divorce. We talked about this some in Matthew. Right. But one of the things in 10 I love was the idea of the rich young ruler. And just, you know, he comes to him and he's like, hey, yo, he kneels before him. Right. So he comes in a posture of humility. But he's like, yo, what must I do? I do right. to inherit eternal life. And Jesus is like, why are you calling me good teacher? You know the commandments. And he's like, yo, I kept all of these since I was a young buck. Like I've been, right. I was raised on the commands. Gee, <laughs> right. like I was, you know, <laughs> commands is my uh, food, you know. So yep. he's like, what must I do? He's like, yo, go sell everything you have to the poor. Interestingly, mm. then come follow me. Right, dude went away sad because he had many possessions. And um, man, I, I just think uh, if it weren't for the grace of God, bro, a lot of us would be like my man's here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and it's just like it's amazing that um. You know, possessions have everything to do with following Jesus. Like yep. how we steward those, how we relate to them. Right. And we've talked about this a ton lately, yeah. just me and you personally. Um, and I just think, I mean, I just see Jesus here saying, yo, give to the poor. Right. Not even come donate to my ministry right. or anything like that. He's <laughs> right. like, yo, give it to the poor and then right. follow me. Yeah. And so there's something about discipleship where uh, it, it radically reorients uh, how we see everything we have. Yep. So with the first prediction of his death, was kind of moving against against self-interest. The second one is kind of unseating this desire that we have for greatness and even the pathway that we think to get there. Mm. And right before mm. the story mm. of mm. the rich young ruler, fire, fire, fire. do you know what he does? Yeah. Yo, these kids, the disciples are getting ready to turn away kids, right? And yeah. one thing that I love to tell my daughter is Ava, you don't own nothing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. none of this is yours. Mm. And they're trying to turn them away because of their low status. And exactly. Jesus is like, no, 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 listen. It's actually the people that have nothing, that know that they have nothing, that are completely dependent on me. Those are the type of people that are going to get into the kingdom, right? So yeah. as they ask about greatness, Jesus doesn't even, like, squash their desire to want to be great. He redirects it and says, nah, 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 this is the pathway, right? And then we find ourselves here at the third uh, prediction. 
of his death. And real, this is real oh, quick. I think yeah. before the third, I, I, it's my heart just Say, has a tethering on. to the end of ten, yeah, uh, twenty nine. So he says, you know, they're like, yo, if this dude, if it, yeah, yeah, if yeah, he can't be saved, right? Who, right. who can be saved? <laughs> right, like, right, bro, right. kept the commands, and he was rich. So in that time, Jews thought like riches were a sense of divine favor. Right. It's like, yo, if he ain't got God's grace and favor on who does? Who does? And God is like, yo, anything is possible for one who believes. And, you know, uh, Peter was like, gets all zealous. He's like, man, um, we'll do anything. We've left everything and followed you. <laughs> and Jesus is like, truly, I tell you, there's no one who has left houses or house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel mm. who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time right mm. houses brothers and sisters mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come but many who are first will, will be last and last first this this verse man has uh been instrumental in my own walk with the lord right um and it's just like yo did we really read that right right god calls us to costly sacrificial life but guess what he rewards it's us worth it in this life yep and in the next right, right. What, a, what a promise right how good right. is god yeah like following jesus the reward always outweighs the cost absolutely right but oh, in choosing good. not to follow jesus the cost always outweighs the reward mm. and that's man that's something that's really stuck with me forever 1045 he's going to say for the son of man to come did not come to be served but to serve and yeah. to give his life a ransom for many. So he goes on to say, like, God is going to reward you. And then he talks about service after that. Yep. He's like, yo, your life should be patterned after mine. I'm going to serve so much that I'm actually going to serve you with my life and death this uh, in atoning for your sin. So that comes after the third prediction, yep. right? So yep. the first prediction deals with self-interest. The second one, the desire for greatness. Mm -hmm. Third one, what he does as you read it, it's more expansive than the first two. Mm -hmm. And yep. it goes into depth about the suffering. All right, I'm not just going to die. I'm going to be mocked, spit upon, accused, and all that stuff. But then he says, but I'm going to die and raise. And then they go into suffering, right? So they all come like, yo, Jesus, yo, you know me and John. Like, we've been with you since we day good one. good in the kingdom? Yeah. Like, straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can I sit at the right and the left? Yeah. <laughs> And Jesus is like, yo, you don't know what you ask for. And he talks about suffering is going mm. to precede glory, right? Mm -hmm. And so what he helps us see is that, yo, suffering doesn't stand in the way of our joy. Suffering is actually the pathway Amen. to glory. The people Amen. of God are going to suffer and uh, serve and ultimately find themselves in glory. Chapter 10 ends off. Bartimaeus comes through. Blind man. Yeah. One swoop, right? It's not the gotta come back for a follow-up visit like last time sure jesus heals this blind man in one swoop and the store this road trip story is bookended mm -hmm. with healing of the blind to show now that he's been explicit about the fact that he's going to die and raise the disciples are starting to understand and to see him Clearly. Chapter mm. 11, he comes in as mm. prophesied like the Messiah would. Zechariah 9, yeah. And the dope thing is that he doesn't storm the castle, mm. showing he's not just this political leader, right. but he storms the, the temple. temple. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he comes for Israel, and he's going to have the cursing of the fig tree, the cleansing of the temple, and then the fig tree, they'll realize, that, oh, Jesus, the, the fig tree you cursed is withered. 
and it's bookended and it just yep. shows that like no like just like um you know jeremiah 7 yeah uh you know where, where where the temple sermon of jeremiah or like isaiah 5 israel was compared to this vineyard and so we see here that christ is coming against israel because israel rejected him you yep. know what i'm saying we've seen the build up with the pharisees israel rejected him and it's a curse against israel because they were not fruitful in the way that god called them to be and so he's cleansing the temple yeah and really quick all this good stuff yeah. yeah yeah but but before we get there sometimes folks look at me like why did jesus curse the fig tree like mm -hmm. Man, just get another fig, right? So here's the thing about fig trees. Mm. The fruit usually blossoms before the leaves. Mm -hmm. So if a fig tree has leaves on it, then mm -hmm. it means that it should be fruitful. Jesus walks up to the fig tree mm -hmm. on the way to the temple and is like, yo, there's leaves here, so there should be fruit. There's no fruit on the tree. Mm. It's deceptive. It looks more fruitful than it is. Mm. And he, he'll say that curse, and after it, do you know where he goes? to the temple, mm. bustling with people and activity, and it looks more fruitful than it is. Yeah. So he turns that over, and in a sense, Jesus is replacing the temple as the best place to go to God for oh, forgiveness. Good. The temple can be corrupted, mm. Jesus can't. He comes out, the fig tree is gone, in the same way the temple's gonna be, yeah, gone. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's good, man. Yeah. Better to come yeah. to Christ than to come to a temple. Yeah. Israel had been trusting in the religion rather than the God of their religion. Mm. Chapter 12, Pharisees going to ask him a ton of questions. Jesus is going to answer everyone remarkably. They can't mess with Like, you You don't read the Bible better than Jesus. That's what I'm saying. You can't argue with him about the text. He's going to win the argument. Um, and in the end, I love how he just juxtaposes this thing, man. He just says, like, yo, the scribes do all these things, long robes, greetings in the marketplaces, best seats in the synagogue. And then they devour widows' houses and say long prayers for show. Mm. After that, he'll talk about the widows who come to the temple treasury and put in all they have. Mm. Just showing that like, man, there's this juxtaposition between those who are the religious elites of the day yeah. and the widows, the foreigners, the mm. orphans, right? The fatherless, all of these, the poor, you know, all these people that Christ or that God had a heart for in the Old Testament. Right. And we just see here, like, those are the ones that the kingdom belongs to. Right. Why? Because they understand their need for God. They don't come arguing with mm. Jesus. They come submitting to him. And we see that, yes, yeah, submission to this king is uh, what, what leads us into the kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that today you would remind us that it is our admission of weakness that is actually our ticket for admission into your kingdom. Help us to remember the blessings that come from being needy, uh, uh, for being needy uh, to and for somebody that is absolutely dependable, God. So give us the grace today to admit our weakness and enjoy the strength that comes from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.